It snowed here yesterday, and I'm sure many of our athletes who are in the northern states are also experiencing the big drop in temperatures that are coming, and not in a pleasant way like we were looking forward to when it was summer. Uh, These winter running conditions in the Midwest can be a huge obstacle for staying fit and just staying motivated during these winter months. Uh, I know me personally, I am procrastinating my run right now because (laughs) it snowed yesterday, and Coach Skelly and I are actually actually neighbors so we both have the same running conditions this morning and we decided instead of running we're gonna report the podcast um so yeah I brought him on because we both live in Wisconsin Minnesota area and we face you know these winter training months for five six months out of the year the conditions are just brutal and I thought that he had the most experience and would be able to really talk to this because we're starting to get the questions uh Skelly I think we should kick it off with the fact that you used that <laughs> streak, which we don't advise people to do. But what's interesting about that is you went outside every single day for how many years was it? Yeah, so it was four years, every at least a mile every day. Actually, the first year was at least two miles every day. And I did two days on the treadmill. Otherwise, every single day was outside, no matter what the weather was. So kind of, and again, don't advise it, Um, (laughs) but uh, I'm not a huge fan of treadmills, which was one reason. Plus kind of once I kind of got into that streak, it was maybe a little bit of an ego thing that, oh, cool, you know, I'm doing it outside every day, no matter what. Um, So I learned a lot of kind of tricks and ways to do it. And sometimes it was just a mile. So that was easy enough, but it's still, you had to learn, you know, what to dress and footing and all those different types of things. So I think I can talk a lot about that today. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome that you ran outside every single day because when you live in this area, there are some days where it's actually not safe to really go outside unless you're just bundled up like an astronaut, basically. So what's <laughs> uh, the coldest temperature that you ever ran in, like with the wind chill? Um, and how many times did you face like negative wind chills? Yeah, so a lot of times. And what really made me those two days that I ran on a treadmill, it was like basically they said on the weather, do not go outside. It was <laughs> like negative 60 with the wind chill or whatever it was and and I'm it's funny because now I'm not I see people that'll go out when it's really below zero and I'm like I'm not doing that but uh I think back then I think the coldest I ever did was like the air temp was negative 10 um and I don't remember exactly what the wind chill was I'm sure it was a little bit worse than that um but again it was a mile but it it was it was just a, a matter of wearing basically everything was covered I think I even wore like snow goggles like ski goggles (laughs) um which is just ridiculous just even say that out loud um probably a day to hit the treadmill not coats i'm sure i looked amazing uh to people who saw me running by but uh, my dog did it with me most of the time if it was really cold i wouldn't bring him out but we can talk about that too i do have uh a recommendation for dog dog booties if anybody needs that um but uh, yeah so he would do a lot of that with me as well I'm not on the super cold days. I don't want people to think I'm being a bad doggy parent. But uh, for the most part, he would. But to answer your question, I mean, there was a lot of days that not only negative negative temperatures, it might be two feet of snow that we just got. So then I would put on the yak tracks or the snowshoes or, and that was just kind of finding a way to get that mile in. And it became kind of a adventure of sorts just to try to, how do I fit that in today? And it's right. unbelievable that I did that for four years. I, I still, it's, it seems like yeah. another person did that, not me. Well, and I feel <laughs> like in your case, you almost were doing it as like more of an adventure. It's not like it was advantageous for your training at the time. It was more just, you know, we live in such a terrible area in the winter and just getting outside. It's almost funny. You know, you almost have to have fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like you were just being hardcore. It's just we get stir crazy up here. Yeah, we do. And, it, and an interesting factoid is that whole four years never had an injury problem, hmm. which is, seems crazy. And um, but I think a lot of it I was actually running less. I mean, it seemed like, ooh, you're running every day, but I was actually running a lot less mileage than I probably ever used to. Um, so that was part of it. So it's kind of interesting to me that that I was able to do that and not have those issues, especially like, and we've talked about it on other podcasts doing like a marathon and then keeping the streak alive. Not super great idea. Um, So really fortunate that I never had any major problems. Again, not saying do it, just saying it was interesting to me that that was the case. And now 
when I run and I do take day, days off, I have more injury issues than I did then. So just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I do think that brings up a good point because, and this is something I think we'll kind of get more into as we talk about the treadmill and just kind of how your stride is different and everything on there. But I think the treadmill invention is a great, you know, tool and it allows us to train in the winter. But what's interesting is when you do train outside year round and you're living in climates like Florida, where it's very hot in the, the summer or up here where it's very cold in the winter, it's almost like naturally you are actually forced to take an off season so like when you were doing your run streak you were only going out running one mile you know most day or two miles most days of the week because there would be a week stretch there where it's you know brutal temperatures and same for maybe the people down south in florida it's like they can't really naturally get a lot of running mileage in when it's really hot so the extreme weather it's almost like it's telling us something you know it's saying maybe you should cut back maybe you should take time off and i know Jason, my husband, coach Jason, he, he used to just take two to three months completely off in the winter. Cause for him, it was logical. Oh, I can't run outside. Why would I run? <laughs> I guess that's his <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. I like what you said there too, that it kind of naturally gives you that, you know, time off or that off season, whether you kind of want it or not. And now that I don't have that streak going, that's certainly true for me. I'll, you know, I'll, if it's like looking like, okay, we're going to have a bad, stretch of weather I'll probably get my bike out my bike trainer get on that do a little bit more of that and just know that it's okay that it's you know I'm in the off season and I'm still getting my cardio or or just a a good chance to you know focus on the strength training or do something different during that week just knowing it's going to be hard to get out and and it can be I mean even this week it's early it's only November we've already had some days that was I mean the other day it was negative two feel I mean it's like man already and right. as you know, from living, we live in the same neighborhood, like you mentioned, the sidewalks are a little snowy. I ran with Coach Tia last night and it was a little bit dicey in spots. And we'll talk about kind of how to approach that too. But um, just already just having to be careful about it. But I think you made a great point of just, you're, you know, kind of the, whether you're in Florida or if you're here, just you kind of give getting that respite, you know, whether you want it or not kind of a thing. Right. And then just knowing like, yeah, you can find alternatives like the treadmill and stuff, but maybe just a sign not to force it as much during these months and giving yourself a little bit of grace. And like you mentioned, you know, it's already been negative two with the wind chill here, which was early for that type of temps. I know you ran outside and I, I'm just curious, like what your own personal cutoff is for running outside. Does it vary? How do you know if like Today's the day you're going outside. Right. So for me personally, temperature, if we talk temperature wise first, footing's kind of a different story, but right. temperature wise, if it's like zero and not real windy, I, I'm feeling good about it, that, that I've got the, the good stuff to wear, you know, yak tracks or whatever, or maybe I'm going to go hit the trails with my snowshoes or whatever. I'm feeling pretty good about that temperature. If it gets down to like negatives, just even before the wind chill, then I might do an alternative you know, whether it be a treadmill or a bike or something like that. If it's the windier it is, the more so I'm, I'm likely to, to, to not. But for me, like if it's zero, especially once you kind of get used to it, and I know some people are that live in other areas are probably thinking, are they crazy? <laughs> but uh, zero, once you kind of get used to it, and if it's not windy, is not bad. Um, even right. like yesterday, we had that negative two, and then yesterday it was 29. It felt amazing. Like it felt perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so your body does get used to it. And if you have the right things to wear, and we can talk about that too. There's a lot of things you can wear and layers you can do to, to make it very doable. Now, if it's snowy or icy, or if I think it's just dangerous, I like to take my dog for a walk and I can barely stand up walking him. I'm not going to go out and run. Um, unless I feel like I can put my snowshoes on and go on the trails or something like that. But otherwise footing is probably more of a deterrent to me than the cold. Totally. Yeah. I, I love like how you talk about, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I do too. I love how you talked about the two different, um, factors there so like obviously there's the temperature and then there's the footing and the worst days I think is when it's a good temperature out like maybe today it looks like it's 20 or 30 but you know the footing and and that is really what prevents us from um, attempting those runs when the footing is bad so I guess yeah like you said everyone has their own different limits of like when they are uncomfortable outside and I think for me it kind of depends on what's on my schedule so 
um, you know, if it, if it's going to be less than an hour, about 60 minutes, like I'll go outside in pretty much any temperature that's above like negative 10. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm about crazy. the same. Right. Zero sounds feel, makes me feel a little bit better, but right. But like, yeah, for... realistically, like if there's no snow on the road, it's the middle of winter. I think I would maybe go out like in a negative 10 wind chill, but it's not enjoyable. So sometimes it's like a toss up. Like if you're not feeling motivated, like that's kind of where the motivation goes in like what type of mood you're in I don't know it just really depends for me there's really no hard set rule um, I, I think in the winter is when you kind of go a little bit more off how you're feeling because you do have different options available to you um, but like you said the footing is the biggest thing um, I also think one thing that's really important to note like we we're talking about negative 10 windchill uh, you got to dress for these sort of conditions like we're not going out there and you know just some leggings and a long sleeve and you know a hoodie we're going out with layers and layers and I know last weekend was the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon and I think it was about like 28 degrees at the finish and they had some strong winds so uh, the wind chill brought that to like a wind chill of like between 15 and 18 degrees um, and I saw people that were racing in like the underwear shorts and crop tops and I couldn't help but wonder oh my gosh I would be freezing um wearing what they were wearing um so I think just knowing kind of what your body can handle like some people they don't get cold when they're running but for me personally I just ran a 10 mile race it was almost 40 degrees out I was wearing leggings and a long sleeve but still going you know 625 pace for the 10 mile race and I did not get hot at any point during the race so just knowing like just because you see someone on Instagram or your friend wears a certain thing on a certain temperature just know like your own body and you might listen to what we're saying and have your own rules based on how you feel on your runs what do you have to say about you know dressing for the cold because I know you used to be a college cross country coach and I'm sure you had to like struggle with some of the student athletes who didn't want to dress or maybe they overdressed how do you right. approach that yeah and I think what all of what you said were really good points that it is different for everybody um, one thing when I have a discussion, let's say people are getting ready to run a marathon and, and no matter what the weather is, that's the first thing I look at is, okay, what's the weather going to be? I mean, we'll talk about a race or something we can talk on an everyday run, but like on a, nor on a race, I, I always like to say, especially if it's a marathon, you always kind of want to look at not just the temperature at the start, but what it's going to be like at the finish. Like you just said at the finish, it was like 28 degrees plus the, the wind chill. What, what's it going to be like? towards the end and same kind of the same thing if we're in the summer is it going to be warmer at the end of the race so you really want to think about what you're going to wear so that's a, always something that I talk about now for the most part like if it's good weather conditions I would always say wear as little as you can and still be comfortable because you want to have that freedom of movement and especially when I coach cross country I was always very careful how I said that because I coach females but <laughs> wear as little as you can and still feel comfortable and because that, that's where you're going to be able to have that freedom of movement. You're going to feel a little bit more natural running. But now there's some people, no matter what, like to wear tights or capris or whatever yep. it is. And as long as you feel comfortable and you're not going to overheat or, or and in our case, what, what our discussion is, as long as you're going to be warm enough, um, I think you wear what you feel comfortable and you just want to be careful, especially with those kind of conditions. And if you're not used to it, um, you should be careful and do something where, you know, especially if it's a race condition, something where you can peel layers off because you obviously can't magically add something if you don't have it with you but you can take it off if you're too warm um so you want to be a little careful there so if we're talking just on an everyday run and whether it's cold or whatever it's just knowing what the conditions are and dressing appropriately i mean we've talked a little bit about the extreme cold i mean i always make sure head is super important so you wear one of those i i think it's pronounced like balaclava i don't know how to do you know how do you say that word Oh, no. Um, um, are you talking about like a face mask? Or like yeah, so that's a little head? thing where the only thing that's showing is your face, but it covers your ears and your head. Oh, wow. It's, it's spelled like almost like the d dessert baklava. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is people are like, what is this guy talking about? But that's how it's spelled. And that's if you went, went to purchase one, that's what you would Google search. But just making sure that you have everything as covered as you can if it's really cold outside. Um, and like you talked about in layering up and that kind of thing. But as far as like racing and that kind of thing, everybody is different. Um, and I think it's a really good thing to think about ahead of time. Don't think that day, oh, what should I wear? Have a plan. 
kind of look at the weather forecast, have a plan for what's going to work best for you that day. And like you said, perfectly don't look at what other people are wearing and think, oh, they're wearing shorts and a singlet. That's what I should wear. You should wear what works for you. Right. And just because, you know, you're, you're fast, you're hoping you're on a fast time. Doesn't mean you have to like strip down to nothing. Um, I lined up at the start line. I thought, you know, I'm probably overdressed for someone trying to run like a 625 pace. And a lot of people were wearing crop tops and shorts, but like I never once got too hot during the race. And one of the girls at the start line, she is, uh, like a 35, 50, 10 K runner. So she was fast. It was, um, Lindsay who used to run at river falls and she was wearing, you know, a long sleeve, like zip up gloves, a headband pants. So I think it's just important to remember that just cause you see other people wearing, you know, shorts or whatever, doesn't mean that that's what you have to race in, or doesn't mean like that's, what's going to give you the optimal performance that day, because you're going to perform best when you are warm or not warm, but like appropriately warm. and comfortable. Yep. Right. And not like shivering, you know, trying to stay warm because if you're running and shivering at the same time, you're actually expending more energy than you should be. So it's yep. almost and- better to, be overdressed in my opinion when it's really cold and i agree too because another thing to think about is that stuff can throw you off mentally too um if you're oh i'm cold or i'm you know i'm not feeling right and you're thinking about that instead of thinking about you know your race and your execution and all those things you're it's just another element that you're thinking of that you don't need to i i love what you just said is you should feel comfortable in what feels comfortable for you and i'd rather be a little warm than cold any any time yeah like any day of the week because you can sweat a little extra and that's okay and just like you said you run through carbohydrate stores and things like that quicker when you're colder because your body's trying to warm itself up so having that little extra i'd I'd much rather be get done and go oof i was a little warm than oof i was freezing Definitely. And I'm kind of a freeze baby myself. And what I noticed maybe two or three weeks ago, when I was outside, like, it it almost seemed like it was harder for me to breathe. And I couldn't really put my finger on what it was because aerobically, it didn't feel more challenging, but I was actually shivering while I was running. And so it, it constricted my breathing. And so you're kind of dealing with a whole slew of things when you're not warm enough, and you're running. So it's it's important to stay warm. And I know in the summer, we're always talking about how can we, you know, stay cooler? But, you know, in the winter, we're really reversing that. And I think yeah. people need to really know your muscles have to be warm in order to be, you know, reaching your potential and firing the entire muscle. Yeah. And you're when you run in the winter and in the snow and in these conditions and you layer up, you'll, you'll be, it's amazing sometimes how hot I will get. Like you think it's mm-hmm. tight 10 degrees out or zero and I'm still coming home and I'm sweating bullets because yep. I wore enough that I was comfortable during the run. But obviously at some point, if you're out there for five, six miles, you do get warm. And especially, you know, I do, I've mentioned snowshoe running. I'll do some of that. And that is like, I, I, I did a race once and I think it was 10 below at the start. And I only had like one layer on because I knew I was going to get super hot because it gets so warm generating you're still generating heat it's just you have to make sure everything's kind of covered from a wind perspective and that kind of thing so just kind of keeping that in mind too yeah that's a great point to add how you sweat so much with those layers and just knowing that when you're layering all of that onto your body it's extra weight and obviously extra weight is harder to to run with and then when you're sweating on top of that um I think something that people need to be aware of the same goes for if you're running in the rain. Um, if you're wet and you stop exercising and you stay in the cold when you're wet, your body temperature is just going to start to plummet and that is not good. So once you're done with your run or let's say you have to stop for whatever reason outside, it's more dangerous being outside in the winter when you have all that sweat um, drying on you than it is at any other time. So just making sure, you know, you have access to a phone, like call someone to pick you up, make sure, you know, you know, your safety stuff, and then just not staying outside after your run. Cause that that's just going to drain energy. You want to make sure you're getting all those wet clothes off, um, and staying, you know, dry after that and really warming up after your runs is, is more important during the winter also. Yep. And one thing that we haven't touched on yet that gets asked a lot too, and where I think the the footing and some of that stuff comes even more into play is a lot of people have to run when it's dark because they have to run before work or after work. And that's when it, you really need to be careful. And that might be a time where it's a little bit more 
okay, maybe I should take it inside on a treadmill or do something different just to be make sure you're being safe that way. Um, I just thought of that as you were saying those safety concerns too, is a lot of people run, you know, I'll hear that a lot is that I can only run at like five in the morning, you know, before it's, it's light out. Like we, you know, have a, a little bit of flexibility where we can go out and run when it's a little lighter out and that makes it easier because you can see where you're going. Right. Just, it can be a little, whole different ball of wax if you're running in the dark. So you really want to be careful about that too. Right. And that's always tough because I know there's such like varying, um, use cases out there. Like I know some people, they do run at 4am every day in the winter, bad footing, whatever, like they put on their yak tracks, they have their light, it's dark, it's cold, and they're out there. Um, And I also know, me personally, if that was my life, I don't know that I could go out there. I mean, part of it is the safety thing for me, I'm kind of scared again. (laughs) But the other thing is, I just don't know if motivationally, like I want to be out there like that. So I think it just really depends. Like, There is no right or wrong here, but I think just knowing that you shouldn't feel like guilty if you see someone else doing it, like you're not like more hardcore or more of a runner if you're out there at 5 a.m. in the dark, you know, it has nothing to do with any of that. Um, Just kind of clearing the air of that and knowing that you have to do what's best for you and being safe and just like following what feels right for you is going to be the most important thing that you can do this winter. Yeah. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And some people, you know, just I'll see them out there no matter what. And that's awesome. But sometimes, you know, for for safety purposes or for quality of the, of a run purpose, taking it inside to a treadmill, totally OK, um, doing those types of things and, and just being smart for what's right for you. And don't let yourself get kind of coerced into going out or doing something you wouldn't normally do just because you see other people doing it. Um, yep. Like you said, do what's right for you. And I, I think that's true in really any situation is do what's best for you. And, and there's a there's a lot of different ways to do this and to do it well. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, some people do really well running on the treadmill during the week and maybe go outside on the weekends or during the winter they run more on the treadmill or they go outside all winter. It's, just, it's different for everybody. So you got to do what's best for you. Right. And I really think a lot of it comes down to your comfort level also. I know when I first started running, you know, I was in college and then I joined the cross-country team that you were the coach of. And a lot of people were going outside for runs and me and one or two other girls, we were like, no, like I'm not going outside. And we were pretty <laughs> much like you, you guys will be fine. But then you said, you know, if you feel more comfortable on the treadmill, you let us use it. And so that's what I felt most comfortable doing. But then as you know, winters went on and more years passed, like, you know, you experiment. So you go outside when it's kind of snowy, you could, you get like a, a taste of what it's like. And then, you get more comfortable doing it. So, you know, if you're newer to the sport and maybe like this is your first or second, third winter, don't, don't compare to like someone else who's been running for 25 years and like they're going out is because it's routine for them. Um, it's nothing like they're more hardcore. Or yeah. Like and, and I think thinking back to what you just said about cross country and kind of as the years gone by doing a little bit more, I'd have people that would go outside and some would just run on the indoor track, like, say, hey, I'm not going out there. And I'd be like, that, that's okay. Or maybe they'd go out for the warm up and then come in and do it and then go back out for the cool down. I would see people do that. And that's kind of how they kind of incrementally stepped themselves into going out more and more. But you're right. And sometimes it was hard not to get into caught up into that. Well, everybody else is going outside and you feel like you need to. It was always, you know, do what's right for you because we have some pretty cold days. And uh, so it was nice to, to kind of have that facility where people could come inside if they needed to. Right. Yeah. And I think like you said, the biggest thing is footing. So I know like when the footing was bad out there, we were pretty much inside, you know, like it's definitely not worth it. But I think that's always like a hard line to kind of figure out like how bad is the footing? Like, do you do any sort of tests? Like how do you as a coach or even just as an athlete, like assess if the footing is going to be bad or not. Right. I think you can sometimes tell even obviously if you just go outside and like walk around, I might be outside and and go for decide I'm going to go for a run and I'll go about a half a block and be like, Nope, I better not run on this. And I'll just walk home. Um, That happens. I mean, obviously we're still doing things like going to the grocery store or going to the store and you kind of get it a feel for what the footing's like. And there'll be days like uh, I'll be planning on running outside and I'll go outside to do something else. I'll be like, uh, nope, it's not going to work today. It's too slippery or it's 
or whatever it is. So I think you kind of just have to assess it that way. Um, but there's been plenty of times where I think I'm going to try and then I just abort the mission right away because it's just not going to work. And I want to be safe and I don't want to fall and then end up hurting myself and not being able to run for, you know, weeks or a month because I fell. Right. And I think that's important to note is that, you know, falling, that's like one thing that could happen that could cause a very serious injury. And I know a lot of people think, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Or they're used to doing it. But, you know, for example, Ben Jacobs, he's our head coach here. You know, he was running outside. He's from Michigan. He was running outside consistently from like the age of 12 until he was 25 with no problems whatsoever. You know, so that's 13 years. Then he was doing like just a cool down of an indoor track workout. He was literally jogging. He said the footing was, you know, it was not great, but it wasn't bad. And he fell and he had never really been injured before, but he tore his labrum and like Oof. couldn't run for almost a year. Whoa. So yeah. And he's always just a very big adamant on like slowing down. Cause he thought he was going slow, you know, but like in retrospect, like defining how slow and like how cautious you really need to be out there um i think is important yeah and even think about it even if you just drive your car or you're walking around all of a sudden you just hit an icy spot that you didn't know was there how quickly you can just you know your feet come out from under you or your car slides a little bit because you just didn't expect it and so you have to be really careful so slowing down wearing the proper footwear or maybe some days just deciding it's not worth it to be out there. Um, I did get some really good information once from, uh, I, as you know, I worked in a hospital for about 20 years and I worked very closely with um, physical therapy. They, they were like right next to my department. So I talked to them all the time. And one of the therapists told me once a long time ago, so if you are out running and you're going to do it and it's a little bit slippery or whatever. So he said, most injuries that they see isn't necessarily from the fall. It's from people trying to stop themselves from falling. Yeah. So when you're out running, you know what it feels like. And you're out, you're already kind of thinking, Oh, I might slip. I might slip. And it's funny. I'm doing this in my living room right now. I might <laughs> slip. I might slip. And you're always kind of doing that. And then you do, and you're trying to catch yourself. That's when you usually hurt yourself more. So this is going to sound like kind of crazy information, but this one thing he told me, he said, if you're ever out running or walking or whatever, and you're going to, and you slip and you're going to fall, let yourself fall. Don't try to stop um, because that's when you're going to hurt yourself way worse. And that might sound like what um, you're crazy, but it and, and also to run not only that part of it and what another good, great piece of information that person gave me was when you're out running, don't try to just try to run as normal as you can. Obviously, you need to be careful, but you don't want to run as if you're going to fall because that'll probably end up that you will fall. So you just I always try to if I'm running with someone, there's a little bit of ice or whatever. I'll see people like stop and kind of tiptoe across the ice. I just kind of keep going. Um, and and it, it sounds crazy, but I've done that and I've knock on wood. I've certainly fell a few times, but not very much. And, but I'll be with someone who will kind of do that little tiptoe thing and then yep. start sliding where I'll just keep going. Um, wow. when you, and that was all from that information that he gave me because he said so many people they see and not just runners, like anybody who has falls in the winter. Oh yeah. It's more the injury of trying to stop themselves and just, kind of letting yourself fall I'm not saying <laughs> no I totally and, you know. I can see what you're saying and I know you know that brings up a good point with ice and running on ice um but for me it's like like you said sometimes you see a patch of ice or you don't see it necessarily but then you get that like momentary kind of loss of control um and I think that's the thing that most people really want to avoid and they get scared of in the winter is you know, it's not worth it to them to even go out on any run when there are any spots like that. And I guess like, what is the best thing like footwear wise? I think I get asked that question a lot. Like, do you wear, you know, your Nike 4%? <laughs> Which <laughs> I do not own, but, shoe, right? <laughs> um, but I'll normally wear like even yesterday when there was a layer of snow. And if, if you're going to go out later today, I can, I'm looking outside and I can see the layer of snow on the, on the sidewalks. Mm -hmm. If, as long as it's not ice underneath it, just regular running shoes are going to work fine. And actually that's a really good time. If there's a little bit of snow and no ice underneath it, yak tracks work great. And if people don't know what those are, it's just kind of like a little wire cage that you put around your shoes then they're only like, I don't know, maybe you know the price. It's like 
are they like 15 20 bucks yeah they're like less than 30 for sure yeah and you just slip those on your feet and and those are hard when it's ice though because obviously if it's icy anything's gonna slip on that um but for snow i like like yak tracks um but otherwise i for the most part just usually usually use my regular running shoes if it snows then i'll use the yak tracks if it's really bad snow and I, i don't think i can run outside i'll I actually have snowshoes where I have my um, running shoes bolted right into my snowshoes. Um, So I'll go and run on those on the trails, which is hard work, but it's, it's fun and it's different. And, and so I do that, you know, usually probably nine or 10 times a winter too. That's awesome. Yeah. I love how you kind of talked about yak tracks and I know one shoe that I got last year that really helped because I kind of went outside a little bit more than usual. Um, Jason actually got me these like trail running shoes. They're snowshoes. So like basically if you go into any local running shoe store, um, wherever you're living, like in the Twin Cities, big metro area, you can ask like, what are the best like waterproof trail or just like a snowshoe basically Um, because they make them almost like a trail shoe. So they have the little you know, grips on the bottom. So you're not going to like fall. Um, whereas basically what you want to do is like you said, you wear your regular running shoes, but like my regular running shoes, if you looked at the (laughs) bottom of them, it, that they are like, just, they have nothing there, like no support whatsoever. They're basically like racing (laughs) flats. I don't even know what they are that I wear but they're really bad for running in the snow. So just making sure when you look at the bottom of your shoe, the more like pattern and like cleat like looking things are going to be on the bottom, the better it's going to be in the snow. Um, Just because it's basically, you know, almost like trail running if you're running on snow. So I really like these. They're called the Nike run utility. Uh, And that's kind of like traction on a tire. You know, the more traction you have on a winter tire, the better it's going to be. I've also heard of, um, and maybe you can think of the name of these. I've had some runners because we have a lot of runners in Canada, you know, that run a lot of snow that have like, they're almost like riveted, like almost like they screw right into their shoes. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of people have really good luck with those. Like they even work on ice. I, I cannot recall what the name of those are. Um, right. Yeah. I'm not sure either what the name is, but I'm pretty sure there are people who like screw like even nails into the bottom yep. of their shoe. I mean, there's so many ways that if you're really someone who wants to run outside in the snow, cause like you don't even notice the temperature. The biggest thing is the footing. I think, you know, going to the running shoe store and asking them what they do. Cause the people that work at these shoe stores, they are like, the kings and queens of running yep. outside in the winter and they can really hook you up with some really good gear yeah. um and just google searching like snowshoes and just finding what works best for you because you know the level of snow that we get here might really be different than someone who's listening in there from i don't know like oklahoma or something yep. so it might be a little bit too extreme for someone who isn't experiencing lots of feet of snow to get these cleated type of shoes but they, I think they really help a lot. And I know many people who utilize, you know, yak tracks and those sort of cleated shoes that run outside in the trails and tons of feet of snow. So it just really depends on what your goals are, but definitely something to look into if you're interested in it. Yeah. And I think one thing we haven't touched on yet too, and I was thinking about that as you were speaking, is that expect that when it is snowing or if it's a little bit slippery or whatever, your pace is going to be slower that's okay. I mean, you're still probably going to be like, let's say I normally run it like a nine minute mile. I might be doing a 10 minute mile, but it feels like my nine normally does um, because of the footing or because of, you know, what I'm wearing or whatever. So just knowing that, that, that it's going to be natural, that it's going to be a little bit slower and that's totally okay. Right. And I think that's a contribution of the footing, like you said, but also um, the cold weather, once you hit, I think it's like under you know, 32 degrees Fahrenheit, you start to experience like a decline in performance just because your muscles aren't as warm. You're not able to get, you know, the same utilization. And as it gets colder, it's exponentially worse. So just like when it gets hot, it affects your paces. Same with the cold. So even if you're outside, but there's no snow, you're still going to be running a little bit slower at the same effort paces just because science. (laughs) Yep. 
Yeah. So I think these are good things to, to think about and, and just knowing and adjusting that if it's snowing, like you're not going to be able to do the workout as planned. Um, if you have pace work involved and just really slowing down the pace and going more off of, you know, time on feet rather than mileage. Cause I know for me, you know, in the summer, perfect running weather, it's like, I can run, you know, for an hour and get seven or eight miles in. Well, in the winter, if I'm slowing down two minutes per mile, I don't want to be out there for a longer period of time, you know, so I would still just go for an hour instead of saying, Oh, I have to get seven or eight miles. I would just say, whatever I get done in an hour, you know, that would be what I would be doing. So yep. I think that's awesome advice. And I, and I do that a lot more in the winter too. I go by time, not distance. Yes. Like if, if I'm normally doing five miles in 45 minutes, I'd still go run in 45 minutes in the winter, but know that I might only go four and a half right. or whatever. And that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, and I know sometimes like the GPS can be our biggest like rival during this time of year. Cause we're like, what? I'm only, I only went X far in that many minutes. And it's just, you know, everyone's dealing with it and it's not something that people really talk about that much. So, right. And, and, and I think that's too, and, it, and it's a good time to kind of maybe get away from, cause I think too often, especially, you know, during like the race season and stuff, we're so um, caught up in what the GPS is telling us and the information to just really go out and run, enjoy it. You know, you're getting outside, you're, you're kind of being hardy and, and doing that kind of thing. And like we talked about early, kind of on an adventure type of thing and just really enjoying it and embracing it and not worrying so much. It can be a good time to kind of maybe wean yourself off of worrying about that information as much. If that makes right. sense. Cause sometimes no, you run with people that are looking at every two seconds. Oh, I'm, oh we're going too slow. Oh, we're going too fast. I'm like, let's just, you know, run and have fun and, and not worry, you know, so much about that all the time. And honestly, that's the biggest reason why I like to go outside in the winter. Cause I'm like, you know what? You actually need this, like stop being so hardcore. You don't need to go to the treadmill because you don't need to hit a certain pace. Just go out there, enjoy it. You got to get outside. Cause otherwise like you actually will go stir crazy. And I think if you take, you know, every opportunity to run outside and you hit the treadmill, it, that might work great for some people, but if you're doing it because you're trying to avoid running slow because the conditions outside, I, I mean, try to like fix your mindset and say, ask yourself, like, you know, I could go out there and enjoy it. Cause if the biggest thing holding you back is you're afraid of like being slower. Um, Cause even in the summer, it's the same thing. Like sometimes people are like, Oh, I know I'm not going to hit my workout. So I'm going to do it on a treadmill. Um, I think it, it just kind of like, builds you know your joy for the sport and maybe even a little bit of mental toughness knowing that you know you you ran out in the snow um you know if you feel safe and all of that good stuff yep I think those are all good points too and and it's just a good and that's why I love running in the winter is just I don't know I really enjoy when you get done and sometimes you know it's cold you know and you're out there and you're like what am I doing um but when you get done there's there's a satisfaction to it that I think is you know, you talk about the runner's high and, and that type of thing, but just, it's kind of the same thing where you get in and you just feel like you got outside because you do, you get stuck indoors so much because of the snow or whatever, and just to get out. And, and it also, for me, you know, some motivation is my dog. I mean, I, I love to, it's hard when he's looking at me like, dude, I, you know, I want to get outside and it sounds funny, but there'll be days where I was going to do the treadmill, but, or do something else, but he's looking at me and I'm like, you know what, it'll be good for him. It'll be good for me. And just kind of, like you said, just finding that, that joy in it is, is a great thing. Right. Something can definitely be said for, you know, not going stir crazy, getting outside. I think, you know, a lot of people in the North will transition into like Nordic skiing or snowshoe racing, like you said, mainly because it maybe is a safer alternative. They feel like, and it's just a way to mix things up, but still get outside because if you're not running outside, you know, we're runners, I'm not spending any time outside. And I think that can be really difficult um, as seasons change not to go outside at all. So for me, it's not just that, you know, I'm trying to be hardcore. It's that I'm just trying to like get outside and get some sunlight, get out in nature, because otherwise, you know, your mental health and just other things kind of starts to take a hit if you're just, you know, always going to the gym, never getting outside. For me, it's more like my outside time at times. So I think it's a good, it's a good option for people to understand, like there's benefits outside of like 
oh, I'm just trying to be hardcore. I think there's some like mental health benefits even to getting outside (laughs) in the winter. Yeah. And I was actually just talking to someone the other day that who, you know, that used to help us uh, with coaching Liz Black, who's also a pharmacist. Right. And I was, I was actually asking her a question and this is relative. It's going to sound like it's not, but, um, about, you know, multivitamin, like, and that kind of thing. Cause I don't really take one. Mm-hmm. And she said, just make sure you get one with vitamin D. And she said, especially in the winter, you're not getting outside as much because we get vitamin D from sunlight and yeah. we're not getting out as much. So that to me is another reason like even the other day, I thought, you know, I might, I don't know if I want to go outside, but then I'm like, you know what? It's sunny, even though it's cold, it'll be good for my vitamin D. Yeah, <laughs> and no, I went out and did it. It and, is. And my brother yep. just had a physical and he's low on vitamin D. So it's like, and he gets outside all the time. So I'm like, cause he lives in Indiana where that's a little bit easier, Kentucky. But, um, so I, I think about it even from that standpoint that you need some sunlight and you need to get outside. So it's just another reason to do it. Yeah, there's definitely health and physiological benefits there for sure outside of just, you know, getting outside for a run. So it allows us that time to, you know, get the sunlight, get get out there and not go, you know, stir crazy. Um, But I think, you know, some of your athletes might be listening right now and some of mine and they're thinking, well, gee, Victoria, you have me doing one or two workouts with like pace specific stuff every week. Like I'm training for... (laughs) Boston, I can't just like go easy on all of my runs. I can't just slow down because, yeah, like if you were just to go easy on all of your runs for the entire winter, you will probably see a decline in fitness if you are used to doing, you know, some speed work and some threshold work. So I think it's still important to have that if you're training for a race and if that's your background and your goals align with that. I think that it is still important and that's where we kind of get into all right, we get it. Like running outside isn't always safe. You can do some of your easy runs outside. So how do you know if you are able to do a workout outside or how do you know when you should take it inside? Yeah. So the the discussion I have, and I'll be interested to hear what you say too, and it'll probably something similar. If you, you don't want to, um, if you get outside, if you think you're going to go outside and you're going to try to do that run and you think the quality is going to suffer because of the footing or the cold, or you have to wear so much stuff, I would take it inside just from that standpoint and just for safety reasons. So a lot of times what I'll, I'll do is I'll try to design my workouts in the winter that they're very treadmill friendly if they need to be. Um, that way they can take it inside, know that it's still going to be a good quality workout and it's, it's, it can be done on a treadmill. So that's kind of how I kind of phrase it with people is if you can go outside and you think you can get a good quality run in, go ahead and do it outside because that's great. But if you can't, it's totally okay to take it inside and do it that way. Especially right. if you're, if you're trying, you know, if you're training for Boston or something, I mean, I, one year when I, when I did Boston back in 2005, um, and this was before the running streak, I did 20 miles on a treadmill because there was just no way I could get outside. Oh. I, I, I did not enjoy it. And I think that's kind of what threw me off of treadmills after that, but it, there was no other way around it. And, uh, but I needed the quality. I couldn't go out in this negative 10 snow weather and think I was going to get a good run in. So I took it inside, but to answer your question, I usually think it's totally okay to, to just make sure you always have that, that plan that it's okay to, you know, take it inside if you need to. Right. I always say, you know, safety is number one. So, you know, if if it's dark and you don't feel safe outside or it isn't safe outside because of the footing or whatever, don't risk it to go outside. So that's like step one. But then step two is like, okay, it's uncomfortable temperatures. Well, you know, I always say to myself, like, are these temperatures that you could possibly be experiencing at the race that you're training for? Um, or are these also temperatures that you might experience during not winter months? So, you know, for me, the iffy ones are if it's raining and like 40 degrees and windy. I mean, you don't want to do your workout outside, you know, like part of you right. like, I don't want to do it. But like at the same time, you know, Boston 2018, Boston 2015, those were the conditions that were being raced in. So I always say to myself, if I'm really trying to go after fast time and train for a race that could be in those conditions, well, I should be getting outside in those conditions if possible. And if they're safe, which raining in 40 is safe to run in. Um, another one is, you know, the wind chill thing 
for me and for athletes, you know, maybe listening, I would say, you know, if the wind chill is under 15, that's going to start really negatively impacting your performance and like your ability to hit paces. Um, same with, you know, if it's above, you know, 75 outside or whatever, we're just kind of playing it safe. Uh, we don't, we don't want to push it too hard out there and have something happen like a burnout sort of situation or just like a huge negative performance, you know, things can happen like heat stroke, hypothermia, like we don't want that. So we're just right. kind of avoiding those extremes. But I think anything above like 15 wind chill of 15 is fair game for doing workouts outside for anyone listening. But of course, like that's just kind of a bell curve. Like people are going <laughs> to fall within the range of that. Um, but I think it's okay to be uncomfortable and a little bit cold, you know, like if it's 20, 25, that's not going to feel great for a workout, but I think that it's good to get out there. Um, if the footing is good, if you're feeling okay, I think just mental toughness can be built in those conditions, just like in the summer you know, it's not ideal to do a workout when it's 70 degrees, 90% humidity, but I mean, that's, that's all you have, you know, yep. like you can't wait for it to be cold. Yeah. Um, and it could be that on race day, just like you said, and I agree yep. totally with what you said. It's, it's safety first, but if you feel like you can be safe and even if they are a little adverse conditions, it's good to practice that in case you have adverse conditions on race day or, or whatever that might be. So it's, it's important. And I, I think just like we talked about earlier, it's a little bit of a personal preference. Some people feel safer in some conditions than others, and that's okay. And don't be too hard on yourself if you do feel like you need to bring it inside. I don't want people to think we're saying, get out there no matter what. No, um, yeah. And I think you're doing a great job of continuing to say, you know, as long as the footing and the safety is good, it, it is. And I've done workouts, you know, when it's 15 degrees out and they've gone awesome. Right. You know, plenty of them. Um, maybe didn't want to wasn't super jacked up to go outside in the first place so then once you do and it also helps you know it's kind of funny but mentally it helps the time go by faster you're kind of concentrating on that instead of the weather and and like you said once you do that and let's say you get great conditions for race day, you're going to think back to that workout that I did those paces in this crappy weather and now I've got this great weather you know physically and mentally that's going to help you right yeah I think that's a great point is you know, taking it inside, like when necessary, like you were talking about, you did a 20 miler on the treadmill for people who've been following me for a long time. I've done my share of 20 milers on the treadmill too. Um, but I've also, you know, I've also done them outside, like if it's 10 degrees and at that point, it's like, you just kind of got to weigh it out. Like, do I want to do another on the treadmill or should I do it outside? And you know, you make those decisions for yourself. And I'm sure there's been days where it was like 15 outside and I decided to do 20 on the treadmill, but then there were other days where it was 10 outside and I just thought going outside. So really there is no right or wrong answer as long as you're doing what feels right for you. Um, and you're just staying safe. Yeah. But I've done a mix of that where it's 10 miles on the treadmill, 10 miles outside. Right. You know, or and something I think like that's, that. Yeah. That's a great option too, because sometimes it's just like, you know, you're going stir crazy. You don't want to do all of it outside because it's really cold, but you don't want to be inside for three hours on a treadmill. So it's good to be able to give yourself that flexibility because training in the winter is really hard and just doing whatever you can to stay sane and get in the yeah. miles is a great option. I think one thing that's important to note though, for like treadmill running versus outside running, you know, if we're talking like apples to apples here, is it the same? Like, let's say I ran a 5K PR on the treadmill. <laughs> is that the same <laughs> as on the road? Um, I would be impressed because I would say you're, you could run way faster outside. Um, for me, let's just talk about the kind of the general differences because I have a lot of people that run kind of primarily on the treadmill. And then when right. they go to race outside, they'll, or start to train outside, they'll say, they'll comment how much harder it feels. Yep. Well, and it's kind of a simple thing is that your muscles are working differently on a treadmill than outside. When you're on a treadmill, you're just keeping up with the belt. So the way your hamstrings and your quads are like pushing off is different because you're just keeping up with the belt. I think sometimes that's harder on a treadmill because you never get that natural kind of slow down and speed up, but you're also not getting the same muscle work that you would outside. You'll get outside and then your body is pushing off and your muscles are working differently. And if you're running all the time on the treadmill, you never work those muscles. And that's why it can be kind of a, quite a, a transition 
at times and sometimes even like an injury concern that you go from all that treadmill running to running outside. So I always try to aim for a blend as much as you can. Um, and I just had someone who, you know, just asked me the question, is, you know, super dark, it's hard for me to get outside during the week, but I can do my long runs on the weekend outside. So kind of a nice blend of she's going to do treadmill running, you know, during the week and then outside on the weekends. And so just trying to do something like that. Is, is that what you meant? No, yeah, that's a prime answer. I love how you went into the mechanics of how your legs actually fire differently on the treadmill than outside. And I know I experienced this firsthand. Um, in 2015, in the winter, I did a mix of like outside and inside. I did the same t- thing in 2014, outside and inside mix. Um, and I was fairly consistent with my pacing on both. So then in 2016, I think maybe the winter was rough. I was just sick of it. I just said, you know what? I'm going to do all my running on the treadmill because in the winters prior, I did most of my running on the treadmill. So I literally did not step foot outside, foot on pavement for three months. Um, I thought I was in really, really good shape. Uh, I felt pretty confident about that, even though I (laughs) hadn't ran outside at all. I was like, you know what? I'm hitting great workouts because I had done so much work on the treadmill the winters prior but the biggest difference was I was still going outside for maybe my long run or like one easy run you know it was there were some miles outside it wasn't a lot but there were still some Some. so fast forward I do uh the LA marathon 2016 was like one of my first runs outside and I knew I was in trouble going into this race because the week before I said you know I'm just gonna get outside for like a quick easy run um here and it just like felt weird I, I, I don't know like my body I was like this isn't right like something just felt very off couldn't put my finger on it didn't know <laughs> what was happening yep. and then I started feeling you know tightness happening in my glutes and on the way down to the race like I was like why are, am I all of a sudden experiencing like these pains like in my IT band uh, but it was because I I, I ran outside yep. so in the race I had like the most pain ever like in my it band and then in retrospect you know talking to my pt learning about it after the fact it was all because i was doing all of my runs on the treadmill and like my body like stopped firing or forgot how to fire you know the muscles in my hamstring or whatever you were explaining um for outside running and so like when i went outside my body was like oh yeah like we have to fire these muscles (laughs) Um, so that caused a huge problem for my entire 2016 running season. Um, and I think people who were like looking at my training were probably like, why did she run so slow at these races? It's because treadmill fitness does not correlate to outside fitness if you aren't doing some of your runs outside. So you got, I mean, a five mile run, like every other week, that makes a difference. Yeah, you know? I agree too. And and some people... They might not have a choice and that's kind of, you know, all I can do is treadmill and it, that's, that's certainly better than not running right. or training. But um, if you can, as much as you can, you know, get outside and blend it because it does make a difference. And I get this question so many times and a lot of people who transition from treadmill to outside, they're like, it's so much harder. I don't, I don't you know, what's yep. wrong? What's going on? And it's an yep. easy answer. And just kind of explaining the same thing I did to you with the, with the muscles and, and you just, you need that and you, and strength training can help, but it's still not the same as getting out and running and having those, those mechanics of pushing off. And when you run outside, you naturally slow down and speed up. And one thing on a treadmill, you don't, you kind of constantly doing that pace. And that can cause a lot of tightness and different things too, because you're just never getting that natural ebb and flow of the slowing down and speeding up and, and doing that too. So it can be kind of. Sometimes I worry when people are on the treadmill so much about in, I worry about injury just because it's so monotonous and the same movement over and over and over again, where outside we don't even know it and our bodies are sneakily kind of switching which muscles are used and, and how we push off. So I think it's really important to, to try to blend it if you can. Perfect example is the person I just talked about. She said, I pretty much can only run on the treadmill during the week, but I can run outside on the weekends. I'm like, perfect, you know, as far as right. coming up with a good solution. And I think that that's really common. And honestly, prior to 2016, that's really what I was doing for the most part, you know, but you know, when you're training for Boston, it's like, yeah, I ran all of my runs during the week on the treadmill, but I did a 16 mile long run outside. And that kept my body, you know, able to really know how to run outside because, you know, a big portion of my mileage on a long run was 
was ran outside. And I think that was a really good way to do it. Cause I understand like when you're working full time and you have a regular job that you can't just like leave, you know, yeah. to run in the middle of the day. Most people don't have that luxury. You aren't really left with a lot of daylight to run. So, you know, you might be getting in the office at seven or eight. Well, it's dark, you know, um, when you leave at four or five, it's dark. And so, you don't necessarily have the option of running outside if you don't feel safe um, when it's dark. So I think doing a lot of the runs on the treadmill during the week, you know, given your work schedule or whatever. And then if you can, like, and the weather allows you to, going outside when possible. And I think the biggest thing is just trying, like, every time, you know, you might get rejected by the weather. You know, you might have... (laughs) be on the treadmill all week and then Saturday, Sunday, it's a snowstorm. But that doesn't mean that the next weekend you just say, you know what, I'm just going to stay on the treadmill again. Like just always try and just like try to keep going out there. If yeah. Possible. And one thing I want to say, cause I can already feel the emails coming in. You and Victoria on the podcast don't run on a treadmill. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I just want to make that clear. It's, it's still obviously a very viable option and it, and it's, it, there's a lot of good things about it. But just like you just said it perfectly, trying to blend it. And just because one weekend you, you had to go on the treadmill doesn't mean it's going to negatively affect you just the next weekend, try to get out. And when you can try to get out. And I want to mention one other thing quickly, um, if you don't mind, it's a little bit off the topic, but not really because it has to do with treadmill running. But I get a lot of questions about people now will be going inside more and they'll try to use their GPSs inside. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So you're more tech savvy than me, but I'm going to tell people from what I know, GPSs are meant to work outside. They're not going to sync up well inside and your paces are going to be all over the place. Go by what the treadmill says. And I had someone yesterday who was a little bit freaking out that, oh, my gosh, my GPS was saying this. Am I, you know, what's going on? But she was running a certain pace on the treadmill. I'm like, that's exactly what you wanted to be running. It was perfect. GPSs just do not work well inside. Can you concur with that? Yeah, this is a great topic. And it's so funny that I didn't think to include this when I was writing it up because this is a huge topic. People ask this question all the time. And I'm really surprised because just like you said, GPSs don't work inside. So I'm surprised it's always like such a topic. Um, But basically, the premise here is, you know, whether you're running on a treadmill or you're running on an indoor track, because I just did an indoor track workout, the same problems are going to arise, right? Like I'm not putting you don't put your GPS on outdoor outside GPS mode. So a lot of these new like Garmin's or other GPS watches, they have this setting called let me get on there. It's called treadmill or inside run. And so you can basically have your watch do an inside setting. So it turns off the satellites is what happens. Um, Cause chances are if you were running on the treadmill and your GPS was on, it's not going to notice that you're moving at all, you know, but if you're on an indoor tracking of the GPS on, it's going to be super inaccurate because you're running around the inside of a building. So basically it just turns off the satellites and then you say, well, how does it calculate your pace then? Because if you turn this thing on and you go on a treadmill or you're running inside, it is going to tell you that you're running at a certain pace and it's going to tell you, you know, your distance and the way it calculates it is based on your wrist movement. So someone at these watch companies created an algorithm based on how fast your wrist is moving. (laughs) That's how fast you are running. It is hilarious because I had to discover this for myself, you know, five years ago, I would have my Garmin on, I, I click, you know, start and I keep looking at it. I'm like, I'm not going that slow. And I'm sitting there on treadmill trying to run faster. And I would stare at it and the pace would like, keep getting slower and slower the more I stared at it because I had it you know right in front of my face my wrist wasn't moving so it said I was basically not moving and then I kept going and it would say I was going faster and you just kind of get into the habit of oh my gosh the more I look at my watch the slower it says I'm going so basically that's how they're calculating it and so the more an athlete is looking at a watch so you can paint the picture in your head of a frustrated athlete on the treadmill trying to figure out why their watch is so slow. And then it keeps telling them they're running slower, (laughs) Um, which is ironic and funny. But I think the biggest thing to know is that 90% of all treadmills at a gym are probably going to be calibrated correctly. And so that means that whatever pace, whatever distance you're going on the treadmill is going to be accurate. If you have a really janky at-home treadmill that's from, like, 1985, um, <laughs> we, I don't know that I can speak to that treadmill. I right. don't know that that's going to be accurate. 
Um, my treadmill in my basement, I purchased four years ago. Sometimes I think it's not accurate, but I actually, you can Google this if you're like a math nerd and you want to calculate your own calibration with like a sticker and all this math, you can figure it out yourself. But chances are, if it's a relatively new treadmill, it's accurate and you don't need to worry about what your garment is saying because the treadmill actually tells you this information it's it's a really unique right <laughs> yeah I, invention and, right yeah and i was a fitness manager for 20 years so i had a lot of people you know the, the mechanic come in to like calibrate the treadmills and stuff yep. too. And, they, and they told me he said even if one's off it's not going to be off by much right it's not going to be like you're doing a you know, an eight minute pace and it's really an 840. It'll be like, it's an 802 or it's an yep. 805. It's not going to be that far off. Um, so I wouldn't worry unless you have like the 1985 one, like you said, maybe you worry. Right. But um, otherwise, for the most part, I just tell people go by what the treadmill tells you. Yep. Don't worry about what the watch is telling you. And that's great information to know about the wrist thing. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, I will be sharing that a lot. Yeah. And so what the new invention that Garmin made, um, I think in like 20, 2015 is with this foot pod. So, you know, obviously the wrist is going to be super inaccurate. So they got this, this thing that you can put in your shoe that talks to your watch called the foot pod and you can calibrate that like outside. And that's a technology that I personally do not use, but I've heard really good things about it because you can actually calibrate this to something. It's not just going off your wrist movements. I think you go outside, you run a mile and Garmin kind of just measures based on your steps. And so if, if an athlete is really into their technology, they want their Garmin to be accurate on the treadmill. We always say, you know, buy the foot pod and then you can have a little bit more accuracy there. Yep. And that's good to know too. And it makes more sense that something on your foot's going to tell you better than what your wrist movement is. Cause some yes. people don't even move their arms that much when they run. Yep. So <laughs> exactly. um, that's, that, that's really good to know. And I, and I've probably had this conversation five or six times this week already with people like what's going on. Why? Like I had someone yesterday who was doing 8.5 on the treadmill, but her watch was telling her eight ten pace. I'm like, right. trust me, there, it's, it wasn't working. It's just go by the yeah. treadmill. You did yeah. awesome and, and not to worry about that. But it, it can freak you out if you're used to using that as your you know, information. Just know that when you take it inside, that's going to change. Yeah, I find it very interesting. Sometimes mine lines up really close and other times it's like very far off. So just know that it's normal that, you know, if it's going off of your wrist movement, of course, it's not going to know what pace you're going. It doesn't know anything besides your wrist bouncing up and down so I think getting the foot pod is a great option for people who love data but for me like I'm too lazy I don't want a foot pod because like I have too many different shoes like I'm not gonna like move the foot pod all that stuff so what I do instead is really cool about Garmin um and hooking up to training peaks you know you probably saw the run upload from her watch you know as coaches yep. they like to see that data I just will upload the run and then you can actually edit it in training peaks. You just like click on the little pencil icon um, as an athlete and you can change like the actual distance that you ran um, and then it converts everything. So like, let's say I did six miles on the treadmill inside and my watch said I only went five. I can actually go in and edit that distance. And then the time remains the same. So every, all the other data will actually change as a result. Um, another thing, like, you know, if you're doing 800 meter repeats on the treadmill, for example, you can just hit the lap pace. And so your coach can see like what your splits were. So like 800 meter repeats, your coach knows, okay, like if you're trying to run six minute pace, those should be three minutes even. And we can kind of see what you were doing on the treadmill. So there's ways around it. Um, or even like for mile repeats, I just turn auto lap off and just hit lap. Um, it, it works inside, but it's definitely not as like savvy as going outside. And some yep. people really like the data, um, and they want the paces to be exact. So, you know, going and, and getting the foot pod is a good option. If you're someone who really likes to look at that data and have it, um, I probably should get it, but I just, it's too many things, you know, yep. <laughs> I just, I like, uh, and I'm kind of old school. I mean, I use my GPS outside to let me know how fast I'm going and how far I went, but inside I don't ever, I've never tried to wear one. Um, right. I sometimes feel like I want to just to experiment with it, just based on what people are telling me, yeah. um, just so I can see it for myself, but I've seen it enough where it's so far off of what people are doing that um i probably won't even bother but um the foot pod's interesting i i that's new to me so that that's good info yeah it's great technology but i think the biggest thing like for me i'm always just 
I'll look at, you know, the treadmill when I'm running and I'll, I'll just plug in. I'll like be writing notes on my phone. Cause you're getting so bored in there. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this gives me a time to do mental math. I, I don't want all the technology, but yeah. So treadmill and Garmin or GPS watches, I shouldn't single out Garmin here, but right. they don't, they don't work. So Always go with what the treadmill is telling you. Your watch isn't going to work on the treadmill. If you get the foot pod, it's more accurate. But with the caveat being the treadmill is still going to be the source of truth if you're on a calibrated treadmill, which almost every single gym gets their treadmills calibrated. Yeah. And it, like I said, and I've been told this by many people that come to work on treadmills, if it's off, it's barely off. It's not going to be like crazy like a minute mile you know pace off or something it'll be seconds um so right and and most gyms are going to be well cal- calibrated and, and most of the ones you do at home unless you're really pounding on them day after day they're going to stay pretty well calibrated too totally and i think another point to add is so the watch is going to be inaccurate on the treadmill it'll also be inaccurate like on most indoor tracks um, but for most indoor tracks or indoor running facilities, just, you know, asking, you know, let's say you're going to U.S. Bank Stadium, figure out like what distance a mile is and just like lap your watch there. Um, for me, you know, if you're on a university indoor track, we know that the inside lane's 200 meters. If you're not running in the inside lane, make sure you know what what lane you're running and how, you know, do the math that way. Um, don't rely on the GPS watch because I did use my uh, I turned my watch on just for like experimentation and to get my splits manually, but it said, you know, I did four miles on an indoor track. It said I did like 3.9, which isn't bad. I was yeah, impressed with that's the watch. pretty close. Yep. But it wasn't totally accurate, um, which could be frustrating because it's really weird where it stopped working was like at the very end of the workout, it was almost like I was getting fatigued in my running form. So my arm movement started changing and so it said it was slowing down and it wasn't and so like that's where it's really frustrating with this thing the way their technology works is like when you're working hard it like says you're not and I think that's the part that really frustrates people and I think they need to fix that (laughs) yep so um, I guess like that kind of covers a lot of what we talked about and I really appreciate you chatting with me today about running in the snow and in the cold temperatures. And if anyone has any questions or they want to talk directly to one of the coaches, you can go to www.run4prs.co, fill out the form today, and you can chat with one of us right away.